1: Welcome to Ask Wildman, a open Q&A live stream produced by Wildman Web Solutions here in Lawrence, Kansas. We are a full service digital marketing agency specializing in helping small and medium sized businesses leverage technology to grow and achieve their goals. Uh, we started doing this live stream about a year ago to answer any and all questions that come in. Um, trying to do this, um, you know, just just provide a resource to all sorts of small businesses in our community that were asking us all sorts of questions about technology and marketing and advertising, Uh, so we figured this was a more efficient way to get things out there. Um, So we are here to answer your questions. If you have any questions, I see we've got a comment here already from our favorite viewer. Hello, Jeff. If you have any questions, follow his lead and throw your questions in the comments below. Also, this doesn't have to be a one-way street of communication. If you have some experience dealing with what we're talking about, you want to jump in, be part of the conversation, please jump into the comments. Um, if you are seeing this later, you're not watching this live, you can still involve yourself by emailing us your questions at askwildman@wildmanweb.com. at I have that address scrolling below me here in this in the sticker if you need it we'll hit your your questions next week as we do this every week wednesdays at 11 live streaming to currently our facebook page youtube channel and twitch account so pick your poison there also one final note here before we get going if you like what we're doing you think that our content is helpful um, you would like for some more people to see this be able to ask us some questions uh, please like share comment subscribe You know what to do. Um, That helps us to reach more people, be more of a resource, um, and answer some more questions. So without any further ado, I'm going to bring in my partner, Mike, to help answer some of your questions. Hello, Mike. Bringing you in right in the middle of a drink. You're welcome. Good morning, Miles. (laughs) How in the heck
0: are you doing, sir?
1: I'm doing good. Ready to take over the world. Let's do this, Mike. All right. All right. So... Uh, Like I said, this is an open Q&A, so anyone watching out there, please feel free to throw your questions in the comments below, and we'll hit those as they come up. Uh, If you're watching this later, please email us at askwildman at wildmanweb.com. You can also check out our website for for more resources. We've got tons of blogs, articles, um, and other resources for small businesses, all free and ready for you to use at wildmanweb.com. All right, to start things off here before all the questions come, Pouring in as I'm sure they will hear you guys are furiously typing out there I wanted to hit on something that we don't really talk about a lot here I feel like, you know, I end up falling a little bit more on the technical side talking about, you know Websites and apps and building stuff because that's that's mostly where I live and then Mike you fall over on the marketing side We end up talking about messaging and advertising and social media and that kind of thing And there's one thing that we kind of gloss over a lot Yesterday, I was building a couple of sites for clients and realized how much time I actually spend on the design of even the most simple of websites. Um, You know, just building out a simple one page landing page for a client yesterday and spent hours just getting all the colors and all the alignment and everything just right. Uh, I realized that we really don't talk about that a lot. So I put together a couple of tips for small businesses when it comes to design. First and foremost, design is everywhere. It's not just when you're building a website. It's not just when you're designing a new logo. It can be if you are, uh, you know, posting to social media, doing a new business card, or even the restaurant owner that is writing a menu out on their uh, little chalkboard out front on the sidewalk. You always have to think about how something looks. So that comes my my first tip here. And that's know your objective. The design when it in business design has function it's just amount uh, just as much about function as it is about form so no matter what you're doing if you're putting together a website if you're putting together a new logo if you're just posting your social media you have to think first and foremost about the function of it um, i find that people when they are putting something together aesthetically they're designing something visually they tend to get lost in the design of the whole thing and the aesthetics of everything they have an idea of how they want this thing to look and then they end up just going down this rabbit hole of of the visual end of things and lots of times will lose track of what this is supposed to do in the first place so my tip here is to first before you put pen to paper before you start working on something think of what it's supposed to do Find the function. Is this supposed to catch people's eyes? Is it supposed to communicate a particular message? Is it supposed to uh, display a particular product or a service? Or uh, how are you displaying this? Is this online? Is this a physical signage? Is, um, you know, how is this actually being put in front of someone? Think about all of these things and then keep that in your mind. Maybe write it across the top of your notebook, across the top of your document, however you're working on this, to make sure that that says stop mind. Throughout the entire design process. I had a quote here from um, the late and great Steve Jobs. He says, most people make the mistake of thinking design is what it looks like. People think it's the veneer, that the designers are handed this box and told, make it look good. That's not what we think design is. It's not just what it looks like and feels like. Design is how it works. So it's important to think about design in terms of both form and function. It's really easy to lose track of that function, at least on my side of things. Maybe some other people will go off the other direction, but make sure you keep both of those in mind. Second tip here is just sticking to your brand. Be consistent with your fonts, with your brand colors. That doesn't mean make everything look exactly the same, or just slap your logo on every single image that you put out there. It means all of your imagery and everything you're putting out there should have some sort of consistency it should look like it's coming from the same person and some of the easiest ways to do that is to incorporate some of your brand colors and your brand fonts in throughout the design Um, so i mean just go scroll through our social media you'll notice lots of whites and blues some of the blues that you see in the mountains of our logo um our particular fonts we've got a a set of fonts that we use in different functions so we use those a lot not exclusively but those are are all over the place and it kind of looks and feels like it's all coming from the same place this gives you a cohesive brand identity and eventually allows you to kind of have this this very quick reaction of people when they see your designs when they see just a, a post on social media they don't they haven't read it yet they haven't looked at the imagery they just get this glance out of the corner of their eye and they know it's you i mean think about some of the most successful brands biggest companies in the world um you know i've just used steve Jobs. so apple is a great one where they have a very established visual brand identity out there as soon as their commercial comes on as soon as their ad shows up their logo is there you don't really have to look at it and you know it's got that very clean they always have like the just unreal white background in all of their ads. Um, everything is this pristine white. It's it, They have this complete visual package built out across everything that they're putting out in, uh, in, in visual mediums so that you don't have to think about it, you know, that's Apple. So you can do that on a a, low, uh, a smaller scale by just throwing in some of your colors, some of your fonts, and trying to make everything a little bit more cohesive across the board. Next tip is white space. White space is the space in between the elements in your design and the outside border. Don't waste it. This is something that you can use. People don't really look at it a lot. They think it's just empty space in between what they're trying to put out there and the margins that they have to have between the, the outside borders. But you can use this intelligently. First of all, just to you know keep everything simple looking, you have to have the proper spacing in between letters to make sure everything is legible. Um, that that kind of thing is known as passive white space where it's not really meant to do anything It's just um, you know making something a little bit easier to read making it um, Format a little bit better depending on if you're posting to Facebook or maybe this is a display ad or you know maybe This is print media or something um, This is a little bit more strategic and functional putting out there to make sure that you can actually read everything Active white space is something that's really meant to do something. It's a little bit more intentional uh, the best example I have here is FedEx. If you look at their logo at the E and the X, the blank space in between those two letters actually forms an arrow, which being a shipping company is kind of a uh, an accurate representation of what they do. And whether you notice it or not, that little messaging there is subliminally getting in there and letting you know that they like to move. So use that white space effectively. Really be be cognizant of the blank space um, and the backgrounds of your images that I mean keeping that in mind white space doesn't have to be white your backgrounds can be much more interesting if you have an image there with a nice overlay so you can still read the text or you just have a cool pattern in the background uh, a nice frame around everything these things can elevate a design from just plain text on a white box that comes to my second to last one here and that's just keep it simple Don't go crazy on these designs. Simpler is always going to be better, especially in the small business space. You're going to waste hours and hours and hours working on designs only to find that you've overdeveloped something. It's way too busy. It doesn't make sense anymore. You've lost sight of your original function. You've completely skipped all of the previous tips that I've put out here just because you've overworked the thing. So keep things simple. As soon as something's good, maybe get a second pair of eyes on it or something and, and, and push it out. Finally, this one's a little bit broad, but just be creative. Look for something different. Try to stand out a little bit. Visually, this is something where people can, really can flex their creative muscles a little bit more than they can in a regular day-to-day business. Um, you can put your content out there and you know, just do something just a little bit different from what your competition is doing, from what everyone around you is doing, and you'll stand out wonderfully. Just in the last couple of weeks, we've started putting out these audiograms, which I really love. Um, it's little clips of this show and other audio content that we produce. It's got this little sound wave moving um, animation on there and usually the transcript of what we're saying. So it's really enticing visually, but also primarily one of the reasons I like it is it's just, it's different. I don't see a whole lot of people putting out content just like that. So, you know, this is your your time to shine to be a little bit creative, be a little bit different, put out something new be a little experimental um, you can stay on top of the most recent design trends or you can just try to be yourself but overall try to do something new try to do something a little bit different be creative so those are my uh, my tips for design for small business Mike did you want to jump in on on any of that otherwise we've got a couple of questions coming in on this
0: okay well yeah I'll throw my two cents in miles I'll try to keep it brief here for you. <laughs> But, uh, you know, to me, the reason you touched on this a couple times there, to me, the reason that design is so important is because it's usually the thing that, that draws somebody in attention wise, even on a subconscious level before they actually read it or listen to or digest, you know, what the message, uh, so to speak in the ad is, it's, it, or it, when seeing the product, you know, on a shelf or something like that, uh, it's usually that, um, that font or that look or that logo or that sound, you know, we, we didn't touch on sound design there, but that's also extremely important. We're going to get into some, um, uh, some Sonic branding stuff later on when we, uh, we get into the news. So I has, I do have some, some audio voice related news stuff for you. Of course, we couldn't get a, couldn't get away without that. So I'll just throw that in there, you know, of just kind of the why, uh, you know, just to break it down into one simple uh, sentence of why you need to take this, uh, Really seriously is because it could be the, the difference between getting somebody's attention and not, and, and you know, or your competitor getting their attention. And then the you know the last thing I'll throw in, uh, in, and we could expand upon this thing for for a whole show in terms of different design elements and design tactics and strategy. But you know, I think color is really important too, and, and underrated. Uh, back in a, in a former life of mine, I was actually a uh, a lighting designer for. For touring rock bands, and how many uh,
1: former lives do you have?
0: <laughs> I'm on. This eight. man is like a I'm, cat. Yeah, I'm on eight, so I'm I'm living a little more healthy these days. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so anyway, so in that period, I I did a lot of studying on the psychology of color, and it's really interesting that you know the emotions and the feelings and the thoughts that can be produced, and this is all you know through you know backed up through clinical trials, not just some crazy lighting designer out there pushing buttons Uh, but you know through color you can uh, create emotions you can create reactions uh, and it's really really powerful stuff and so you do need to take a lot of thought when you're putting together your brand uh, into your color strategy which you alluded to uh, because it 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 does a whole lot more than you think on the subconscious level but yeah let's get to some questions
1: yeah colors can do can do a lot there you see all those studies out there saying certain colors I don't know. Create certain feelings, certain emotions. Where some will create trust, some will be inspired. You know, some people say that the the mm-hmm. the red and yellow used in McDonald's is specifically scientifically proven to make you hungry. So yeah, that's true. Um, you know, there is a lot out there. But you know, my my point in there was really to just use your brand colors to make things cohesive, but yeah, you can do a lot more with that and and think about your colors that you are putting out there, both in and outside your brand colors in all of your designs.
0: And you really need to, because you don't want to give a, you don't want to give the wrong subliminal messages. True. You know, if, if, yeah, if if I'm wanting somebody to be, you know, really active and, and, you know, and passionate about my, my product and yeah, I'm probably going to use some reds, some yellows, some oranges, some purples, you know, I'm not going to use, blues and greens, you know, that's a more cooling, you know, empathetic, relaxing type of an emotion that you're going to get across with that. And so you really, that's why you really need to pay some, some attention to this. I'm not saying you got to, you know, become a scientist over it, but don't just go through, Hey, my favorite colors are blue and green. I'm going to make my logo of that. You know, no, you know, you have to put some, some thought into how you want people to think and feel and react when they see uh, the colors that your brand represents.
1: Yeah, and that brings up kind of my first point here, and that was that design is everywhere. And we were talking about logos and websites and that kind of thing, but then, you know, McDonald's, they're putting that stuff all over, like they're talking about the colors of the booths in their restaurants. So this can come mm-hmm. into play when you're just painting the walls of your physical store.
0: Exactly, um, yeah.
1: it's It really is all over the place when you're thinking about the aesthetics of something, when you're looking at the visual elements that represent your business, whether that's your website, or your storefront, or your physical space, or your logo, or your letterhead, or your social media, whatever you're doing, these tips should be fairly um, all-encompassing throughout all of those, uh, throughout all those mediums.
0: Yeah, and, and if we put this in website, you know, terms, you know, really your website is just, an. You know, if, if we're talking about traditional retail store, it's an extension of, the square footage that you have in your store. And so, you know, all of that stuff needs to align on, on, a, on a branding sense. But uh, you also need to think about the customer journey and the customer experience and how they're going to relate to all the design elements that you're putting into your website, as well as your store. And as you said, making sure that's cohesive. I, I was making this point to somebody the other day, uh, actually, Miles, uh, I think just yesterday, it was that, you know, I, I see I see this trap, and, and I'm not trying to blame Local small business owner, it's not what's what's happening here. I'm just, <laughs> just Uh-oh. you know, I'm just pointing out a scenario that could use some improvement from my perspective, uh, and you know, and that is, you know, if I'm a downtown business owner and I put so much time into you know that experience of people coming into my store and that you know, and, and walking them through the buying process and being that knowledgeable person that they can talk to face to face and having that local hometown feel and you know, and shop local, shop local, shop local, right? <laughs> How do they feel when they go to my store online and it's a Shopify site? and It's this big corporate blah thing that looks like everything else. It's a cookie cutter of every other type of retail shop out there. And it's not local. It's not personalized. It's not customized to that Lawrence downtown feel, right? That's a complete disconnect that, Probably eighty percent of them are doing right now, you know. And again, I'm not blaming them because that that seems like a reasonable solution, you know, right? Hey, Shopify, great company. I'm not bashing Shopify, uh, but it certainly is a a design and I would say a customer experience disconnect from what I'm trying to get across as a as a local shop owner in a place like downtown Lawrence.
1: So I'll at least leave it there. Yeah, no, there are some things that you can do with that as well, because that is I mean, that that's kind of bridging the gap between the visual design and then your own your messaging. So you're always talking about putting out a message. So I was trying to make a point of, uh, you know, making sure that the visual elements of your brand, both online and Um, In the real world are cohesive in one way or another, but I mean your message kind of is the same thing going from online through your advertising to your social media to your website and to your physical location, your messaging should remain consistent and those two somewhat converge um, here where you're talking about, you know, having an online shop or something and where you can put those things together. Um, you know, tools like that really, they do have their time in place. They're definitely very, they're, they're easy, but if you do have a message like that, and then they show up at a cookie cutter Shopify site, then that can be a disconnect. So maybe cool. you can utilize the visual elements there to help to make that transition or to, you know, make things a little bit more, more cohesive where, you know, you're designing the Shopify site a little bit more, maybe you're using your, um, your, your, your product imagery, or, you know, you're making sure that it's utilizing the same colors and the same fonts. You're customizing it a little bit more um, so that there isn't that just jarring shift from local custom business to large corporate cookie cutter, black and white online shop. Yeah, there, There are some things that you can do within the visual space to help to assist with your messaging and to make sure that this entire customer journey is a little bit more, let's just say a little smoother.
0: hundred percent miles. And to be completely fair, I am being a little overly highly critical, you know, cause I'd much rather than have <laughs> as usual, you know, but I'd much rather than have a Shopify site than not have a, an e-commerce site or, you know, have a, a Wix site. That's, you know, pieced together by uh, rubber bands and, and, and paper and glue. Uh, but yeah, you know there there is there is a disconnect there, and so and that's just going to take time. You know, it's just, this whole thing is an evolutionary process. And to be fair, there hasn't been a lot of good local solutions, you know, at their fingertips uh, in the past. And so, like I said, I'm not casting blame out there or saying, oh gosh, you guys are idiots or something. You know, it, it's just uh, it, it's 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 a good uh, transitional piece, I guess. You know, but not not where you end up want to end up when you're thinking about your customer experience and your overall brand.
1: And something I don't think a lot of people necessarily think about, you know, they they think about their physical location and making sure that that's nice and inviting. They've got flowers on the table and those extra little touches just to make it that much nicer. And then, their website's just this, you know, yeah. black and white block thing. It's, it's an like, app. Oh, to those top. things, yeah, these things have to connect, and you have to put that same energy and love into your online presence as you do into your physical location, especially in 2021, where a lot of businesses that's a that's a big piece over there. So very
0: important. But um, let's, let's get to some questions here. Yeah,
1: we got some questions coming in here, and then we've got some other topics I know we want to get to. Uh, so first question here. Uh, probably going to fall over to you, Mike, you've got more production experience here. Any tips for making short promotional videos with a green screen?
0: Uh, yeah. A little I bit off so. topic here, but. Yeah, little, I, mean, I, I don't, I mean, are they asking about, I get, oh, it's Jeff, okay, I can see it now. I guess, yeah, is this, Is flesh out your question, Jeff, or, are you asking about process? Or are you asking about uh, like, you know, what kind of production uh, equipment that I need and stuff like that? You know, I'll just start with process. Yeah, I think the the best thing to do is to storyboard something out, Uh, even if it is just going to be a short little thing. uh, You know, storyboard out. You know, maybe not every frame, but you know, uh, every shot. You know, or you know, everything that you want in that. So it's going to be uh, you know thought out. And and you that's not to say that you can't improvise because sometimes improvising, you know, in the middle of a shoot, it will get you something better. But at least have a starting place by storyboarding everything out and and scripting everything out, which is something that I I don't see everybody do their due diligence on. And then the next step is to actually shoot a whole lot more than you need. Uh, You know, that's, that's the, just the number two rule of thumb is just shoot, 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 try things out, you know, in the shoot while you're using the green screen, you know, take chances. Like I said, improvise things that that maybe aren't in your script and aren't uh, in your storyboard and shoot as much as you possibly can, because you never know, Uh, when you're using a green screen, you know, when something might work, when it might look kind of hokey later on when you're, when you're editing things. Uh, So, you know, that's just my kind of strategy, two tips there, but I don't know. I don't know if that's where you were wanting me to go with that question, Jeff. Yeah. He's
1: followed that up with visuals, just the word visuals. Okay. Um,
0: Well, I, (laughs) It's a little vague, but, you know, I'd say, you know, the the power of, of a green screen is obviously you can use, you know, visuals from all over the world or, you know, wherever, but you can also get a little drunk on that. I feel like, so, you know, so that's why I feel like, you know, the, the storyboard exercise is, is really important because, you know, make sure that everything you're showing on your green screen is relevant to the end message that you're trying to get across with your end consumer. And you're not just, you know, uh, having fun for the sake of having fun. Now, again, when you're shooting stuff, have fun for the sake of having fun. But I'm talking to like when you're actually putting these short promotional videos together in the editing process is go back to that storyboard, go back to that original messaging that you were trying to achieve and say, hey, does this really achieve, you know, the, the, with this image that we're showing on the green screen, is it really translating to that message that we're trying to get across to the person or is are we trying to you know are we just trying to too hard you know so to speak by showing things that aren't exactly relevant to the end message? Uh, so hopefully that helps, Jeff.
1: Yeah, I'll jump in and just say that um, you know probably defaulting back to some of my design tips here is keep your your function in mind. Uh, so you know decide what you're wanting to do with this particular video, and then make sure that everything that you're doing is in pursuit of that goal. Green screens are kind of a fun tool, but they're just one tool in your belt. Um, and so if that cool green screen background isn't necessarily pointing you in that pro- in that direction, isn't helping you to make whatever point it is that you're trying to make, then, you know, sometimes I'd rather just see your office as the background or a plain wall or something like that. Um, You don't necessarily have to use every tool in your belt and every fun new toy that you have for every single uh message that you put out there so uh yeah back to my tips here of um, you know know your objective and keep it simple well apparently that was the advice he was hoping for so awesome glad we can help You did throw one thing in here while I was talking about design stuff. Um, he says, thanks. Thank goodness for professionals. I can't draw a stick figure. Well, um, you know, that uh, the two points on that one is, you know, don't undersell yourself. Uh, lots of people are a little bit more creative visually than they they know. Like, I can't really draw at all. I, I have no um, visual art experience, but I can do some graphic design stuff. We put. Uh, that art on a screen. There's lots of tools out there to help you out with everything. I can do lots of great web design stuff. Um, you know, coming from my my coding background, having that technical expertise allows me to do a lot of things online that you know some strict more strict designers can't necessarily do. Um, and so, your skill sets may shine visit visually in, in, in ways that are unexpected. So don't don't short sell yourself. Um, And overall, you know, we're not saying that you have to design, you know, something fantastic. This doesn't have to be a masterpiece. You're not making the next Mona Lisa or something. You're making a post on social media. And instead of just putting black text on a white block, you know, for you, you guys have um, Jeff talking to you. I know you have like uh, greens and gold in your color scheme. Just throwing in uh, making instead of that white background, maybe it's a very light gray. Maybe you have um, a cool border in your greens or in your golds or something. A a gold border could really make something shine um, on that text. Maybe it's also gold to match the border and has a little bit of a drop shadow to make it stand out a little bit. Just little things like that can help your message to stand out amongst the noise online. So, you know, we're not necessarily talking about drawing stuff out or, you know, designing a masterpiece. Just, little tiny things in fonts and colors and adding just a little more thought into the visual elements of your, of your brand, both online and in the real world can help to elevate your business uh, just to that next level. So I I just wanted to hit on, on that. And then the second point there is obviously thanks. Thank goodness for professionals. Yeah. uh, Know your limits. There are lots of great designers here in Lawrence and you know, everywhere. If you're listening um, somewhere else, Obviously, we have some some graphic designers over here, and we do some good work there. But I know there are some other amazing designers here, locally. So, um, you know, definitely make sure to know your limits and and reach out to a professional when necessary. I feel like we just gave a uh, a drunk driving piece, PSA there, Miles. <laughs> what do you mean drunk driving psa
0: never mind what's what's the next question all right joke didn't land there hopefully somebody in the audience got it
1: just right over my head i don't know you
0: were talking about knowing your limits and asking for help when you need it (laughs) all right all right
1: yeah Okay, so yeah, if you've got any other questions on that, please throw that in the comments here. We'll hit those as they come up. I'm seeing some other things kind of flowing in here, but I did want to take a little bit today and talk about something that came up this uh, this last week between this show and our last one. Um, and that is you know, something I've talked about on this show before, um, but I think it's about time that we rehashed it and maybe dove a little bit deeper into it, and that is hosting. not talking about hosting a party here we're talking about web hosting Um, so when you are whether you have an existing website or a you know putting together a new website you're going to need a couple of things first of all is the website itself those are the site files the design the pages in there you're going to need a domain and you're going to need hosting those three things together give you an actual website live on the internet Your site files are just what I I had just described there. It's the actual pages. It's the design. It's the HTML, CSS, JavaScript, and whatever other nonsense you got going on in there to display your website. You can open these files up locally and just have it display on your computer. In order to get it on the the internet, you have to have a host. So that means you're paying someone, some company, for some space on a server somewhere to actually house those files. Then the domain is just the address of that host. Um, Every computer in the world has an IP address, um, including the host server that is housing your website files. Your domain is just an easy uh, nickname for that IP address. It's actually masking an IP address. If you look at the top of your browser right now, you'll see facebook.com, youtube.com, wherever the hell you are. Um, Those are all just masking an actual long string of numbers. That is the IP address pointing to the location where that server is. However, people can't remember that crazy long string of numbers and people can't remember words. So that's what domains are. They're just masking the address of the location on a server where your website files are. So that's a quick rundown of how websites work. Now we talk about web design on here a lot. We talk about building functional websites. We've talked about domains. I think we did that last week. I actually wrote a couple of articles and published it to the website a few weeks ago, just about domains, picking a domain, buying a domain, uh, best tips that I can come up with there, but now I want to talk about hosting, and maybe I'll write an article about this as well. It's important to pick a good website host, um, and it's something that people cheap out on a lot, uh, just because you know they think a host is a host is a host. What's the what's the big deal? I'm going to go with the one that's five dollars a month. Why would I spend a hundred dollars a month on this thing? It's just a, a place on a computer. Well, it turns out there's a ton of different factors that go into website hosts that make it, well, you get your money's worth for it and a lot of it. So I want to go over a couple of things there. First of all, just the different types of hosting so that you know when you see these words what you're looking at. Uh, The first thing and one of the most common ones, especially for the um, economy hosting packs out there, is shared hosting. If you see shared, the word shared, they'll have some different verbiage around it, but shared is the keyword. And that means that you have one server. Think about your you know your desktop computer there's one computer and there's several different websites living on that computer that means that one that computer and everything on it all those websites are going to run a little bit slower because there's a bunch of different people going to it they're not going to be able to handle as much traffic because um, there's only so many people that can be accessing files from that server at the same time you're going to have limited bandwidth uh, limited traffic limited file storage um so you're only going to have a a certain segment of that machine segmented off for you and so it's going to be fairly limited in how much you know physical data you can actually store on that machine and there's also some security issues on top of those performance issues if any one of the 10 50 100 websites are on uh, that are on that server have an issue then that can be an entry point for a uh, hacker or malware or some other sort of Malicious material to get into that server, and then it can access all the different websites on there, depending on what kind of security they have. Um, so, if you have some great server uh, security on the front end, nothing's getting in through your website that way. You might have left a back door open, and all of a sudden, you've got some malware. There's also um, some just. Now, business reasons to not do that. So if someone has a shared server, that means that if something goes wrong with that computer, they have to do maintenance on that computer or something, you know, your website is physically on that server. So if they have to shut that down or if any other issues happen there, then your website's down along with everyone else on that machine. So, it's cheap for a reason is what I'm, I'm trying to say there, not to say it doesn't have its time or place, but if you are really looking for something that can handle a lot of traffic, hold a lot of files, is high performance and very secure, shared is not going to be the one you want to go for. The other end of that is dedicated. A dedicated server is, that means that you have that entire server all to yourself. So you have an actual physical machine somewhere, somewhere in the world in some server farm that is just dedicated to your site, to your application. This is definitely the way you want to go. If you have a ton of files, if you're going to be experiencing a lot of traffic um, and you, you need a lot of uh, processing power or something, as you get the entire machine dedicated to you that way. Um, But it can be fairly expensive. uh, So that's not necessarily a good option for everyone. Kind of in between those two options is VPS. Um, or a, a virtual private server so that means that you are technically sharing a machine with some other people but they've set up some virtual machines on there to give you your own space your own processing power and there is kind of artificially segmenting up a single machine into multiple machines and finally kind of the new player in town is cloud hosting cloud hosting is a little bit harder to explain. It's kind of new technology, relatively, anyway. Um, And the idea here is that you're actually hosting your site files on not just one machine, but a series of a bunch of different machines. This means that uh, this comes with certain benefits. Your performance is going to be better um, because it can allocate resources smarter. Um, from machine to machine to machine if it needs a little bit more it can draw more from over here for you and then when you're going slow it can draw more from over here for someone else Um, it means there's built-in redundancy so if one machine gets shut down for maintenance or for a security breach or you know I don't know, the power goes out in that building, something happens, then your site is still up because you're hosted on a thousand other machines over here. So, and there's, there's also the added benefit of it's not a physical space on a single machine. That means that it can be vertically scalable. So you can start off at the lowest tier, just paying, you know, 20 bucks a month, 30 bucks a month, whatever for this, this package. And then as you grow, you need more space, you need more, um, You know, you're going to have more traffic coming to this site. You need better uh, performance. Then you can just pay more and get more and more space vertically scaling your site. So cloud hosting, while it's not the cheapest option out there, like shared hosting has a ton of amazing benefits. And as I said, it's the new technology in town and it hasn't stopped growing since it entered the market. So um, I, I think that that's kind of the name of the game moving forward. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, before I go any further into that, Mike, did you want to jump in on this this hosting conversation at all?
0: No, I think you I'm got a little,
1: little ranty today. <laughs> I apologize. Hopefully this is useful. Um, we did have a comment come in here that is a useful point. Um, I won't name the actual company being cited here, but some companies will give you that cheap intro year. So keep an eye on that. Um, hosting is something that you really want to pick at least a a particular provider and stick with because moving is messy and that's when things break and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes you'll get stuck into long-term contracts. Sometimes it's better because if you sign a long-term contract, you're going to get better pricing. Um, So do a little bit of research upfront. I'd rather you spend a little bit more time researching the proper provider and then sticking with them in the long run rather than jumping on whatever one seems to be, have the best deal of the day right now, and then having to switch a year or two down the line. Um, and yeah, watch, watch out for those um, intro deals. They won't necessarily be super clear about that. And all of a sudden your pricing just doubles in the next uh, you know, year or two or something. A couple of other features to look for when you're looking uh, at different providers. Um, look for bandwidth. So bandwidth is actually the, um, it's the speed of the network. Higher bandwidth enables more visitors to access your site at one time while maintaining a smooth experience. So the more people that are accessing your website at the same time, if it's exceeding your bandwidth, then people are gonna start having issues. Things are gonna load slower. Some pages might not load at, all, load at all, or some files might not load, meaning that your site loads, but it doesn't look right or doesn't work right. You're gonna start having problems. So make sure to check on that bandwidth and you're gonna use that to compare different um, services or different companies. Um, also look for an SSL. Um, this is a secure socket layer certificate um, this adds security to your website it basically allows you to sign like put a digital signature on your website saying yes i am who i say i am search engines are looking for this um, other providers are looking for this you'll actually see improved search results into um, improved function and also it's just nice for your visitors because they're going to look up there and they're going to see that nice little green lock icon saying this site is secure if you're on chrome for example as of I don't know, last year or two years ago, they put an update in where it actually has a little red exclamation point point that says, this site is not secure across the top. Looks horrible. And I mean, it doesn't really impact the the function of your website, but people will freak out and they definitely aren't going to trust it as much. I mean, think about putting a credit card number into a site that literally says, this site is not secure. So um, lots of hosting providers are providing SSLs now. So check for that. Um, Lots of companies will brag about their uptime basically all um company major hosting companies are going to say they offer 99.9 uptime but that's just because they've got a billion people all hosting on this and most of it works and so that one person that gets hosed every couple of days um doesn't really drive down that average very much so i'd say look at reviews look at customer reviews at this point and look for one that um, you know if you see one that everyone's just complaining about their site being down for prolonged periods of time then you know maybe not that one Um, backups is an important feature Uh, lots of hosting providers are now um, offering backup features where they'll actually back up your website so if anything does happen you can easily just restore that backup um, you'll want to look at size of backup restrictions, um, if they're backing up just your files or your files and your database, and how many backups they'll store and for how long. That's kind of the main features that you're looking for there. That can be a decision maker. And then finally, just storage. How much storage space are they actually giving you? Uh, some of them limit it, some of them don't. They just give you unlimited everything. Um, you know, depending on the the, the type of service that you're looking for, you'll see different types of restrictions as far as storage. And for a lot of small business websites, actual data storage isn't a big deal because you're just looking for a website to say, here, here I am, here's what I do, here's how you contact me. And so that's really not going to take up much space. If you are a larger site or you're wanting to do a... Um, a bunch of images a bunch of videos on there you're doing a recurring blog on there or article posts you're continually putting more and more content up there um, or you have user generated content on your website then you can exceed a storage limit pretty quickly so um, you know keep that in mind Um, yeah final tip here i guess is just going to be do your research i know i kind of already said this earlier i was meaning to reserve this for the last tip but I, i i skipped ahead a little bit do your research up front Moving web posts is a task and um, is oftentimes a lot more difficult um, and expensive and a a huge headache. Much more difficult than you think that it's going to be. So do your research up front. Find a good provider that you know is going to work for you and your purposes. Not only your purposes right now, but your purposes into the future. So try to think ahead a little bit of what you're going to be doing on this site. Um, Look at reviews. Uh, because they 're all going to say that they 're the best thing out there, so look for reviews of these different companies. Find the ones that don 't have a million people complaining about them. Make sure you know your terminology so that when you do do that research you're you're doing so in an inform, in doing so in an informed way um, and you 're able to make the right decision and Finally, on pricing, I know lots of people like to cheap out on hosting you don 't have to spend a fortune, especially if you 're not developing your own online application you're not running a social media company or anything you just have a business website so you don't need the most expensive thing out there but also don't pick the cheapest go middle of the market find something that works for you know these features find the one that have the features you want and then shell out the extra 10 bucks a month for whatever it is that you're needing to do here it's going to be worth it for you all right that is my hosting rant here so if anyone has any questions or wants to chime in on that please do so in the comments um, Mike, did you have any updates on that or anything else that you wanted to throw in before we we move on to the next point?
0: No, I'll just say, uh, you get what you pay for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, and you know, we get to see that nightmare a lot, people coming to us and saying, oh, we're you know, not in this good situation with the host. And then we have to try to move them or, you know, figure out some sort of solution there. One thing I didn't actually put in my list here, I actually just, I just thought of, but could be a very useful um, part of this is support. Look for one that has good support because when something goes wrong, not if, when something goes wrong, at some point, something's going to go sideways on your website. You need to know that you can contact someone that you have someone for support. And some of these hosting companies have amazing support. Some of them really, 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 really don't. So um, I'd say... Weigh that a little bit heavier than you think. I've worked with hosting companies before that um, were a little bit cheaper, but didn't really have support. And because you know I have that technical back uh, background, I could do a lot of the management myself, and I didn't really need that support. But then eventually, when something did go sideways that was out of my control, you know, I was just out of luck until someone from their support team in Bangladesh could get back to me. So um, yeah, lo- look for support as well. That's a very important factor in hosting. All right. I think we're going to move on here. Um, we have a couple of updates from the news desk. I understand.
0: Yes. Yes. We're going to give you the news update and then probably going to have to wrap this up unless there's any questions down there, Miles, that we uh,
1: we need to get to real quick. we got a couple of comments here but no direct questions.
0: Okay. All yes, right. So go for All it. Running with the news. Okay. Well, uh, Pew Research who people probably were aware of, Um, large research organization, the Pew Research Center. They just recently released, uh, I believe it was about a week ago, uh, the new stats for social media use and trends across the United States. And uh, we've got our newsletter coming out. I don't think it's out yet. It should be out any minute, though. And I believe Anna is doing a deep dive uh, into this this research in that article. So make sure you check that out. But, you know, basically the overall trends were – uh, by and large social media you know it has not it's not going anywhere and uh, it you know and it's it's staying steady over the past you know four or five years in terms of overall uh, usage and overall you know number of people on platforms of course platforms are changing and where those people are uh, is changing and so that's you know what you can dive into and have a lot of fun on this but um, YouTube you know seems to be the big clear winner out of out of all the different platforms, uh, they are really, really grown strong over the past, uh, 18 months or so. And they now have an 81% share of users of 81% of all Americans, uh, use YouTube on a regular basis. So I believe that was one of our tips miles at the beginning of the year for success in 2021 was, uh, look at YouTube advertising, look at, uh, using Google keywords and Google ads in order to, uh, to retarget people who are searching for things uh, on Google Video and, and use a combination of, of video and Google Ads to um, accelerate your business on YouTube. And I'd say that trend is definitely on par. Uh, Facebook holding steady, but still, you know, the second most used platform out there. And an interesting tidbit from that was uh, it had the highest uh, repeat users within a day. I don't know if that's the way to <laughs> to properly cite, give a citation for that stat, but you know, basically, the that that was the platform that had the most people going on the platform, and using it multiple times a day, and so uh, that one, and which of course, uh, Instagram for advertising purposes is tied in together, also a really big mover and shaker. And then, of course, you have apps like TikTok uh, that are you know shooting up the charts with the younger generation. And this was the first time that the Pew Research Center uh, poll; they do these these polls and these. Studies every year. This is the first time that they would included uh, TikTok and Nextdoor, and some of these uh, emerging platforms into their research. So it was really interesting to see uh, how some of those platforms have been um, have been getting there utilized. Uh, and then on the other side of things, on the uh, advertising front. We also had a study or, I guess, a a poll uh, that was recently done across all the big advertising firms, and it was polled from their their chief marketing officers. And basically what it said was over the next three years, over 50% of those uh, polled said that they were going to double their advertising budgets. They were going to grow by more than 100% uh, specifically on social media advertising. So, you know, you have obviously it's, you know, go where the attention is, right? And so you have the Pew Research, you know, backing up the fact that this is, this is where the most of the attention is. This, these are where people live, so to speak, uh, and where you can find them the most times throughout the day. And so that's where the money's going to flow. And, uh, and 90, over 90% of those polls said they were at least going to increase their social media advertising budgets over the next few years. And so what does this mean for us as small business owners and, and marketers in general? Well, it's, you know, what we've been warning about for years and years and years is that there's going to be a point in time where the big fish, if you will, are going to wake up and they're going to realize what's happening. And so they're going to put all of their money or a large, substantial amount of their money into these platforms. They're gonna cut their cable budgets, they're gonna cut their print budgets, they're gonna cut their outdoor budgets, they're gonna cut their well their event budgets went away by force, but you know, they're gonna cut all those, and where is that money gonna go? It's gonna go into social media, it's gonna go into digital marketing, and this whole thing obviously is supply and demand, right? There's almost there's only so much room in a news feed on any given platform. There's so much, there's only so many ads that a platform can serve to an audience before that audience turns away and spends less time on the platform. And so what's gonna happen is the price is gonna go up, right? I mean, it's just simple supply and demand. And so that means as small business owners and as marketers, should we turn and should we give up? No, it means we have to work smarter, not harder. You know, we have to really make sure that every ad dollar that we're spending is, uh, is, is going in the right direction and, and, and messaging has got to be key and got to be critical. You know, we have to really um, dot our I's and, and cross our T's on our content and our messaging and what we're putting out there because there's going to be less and less room for error when we're dealing with the type of budgets that we have with a small business. So some food for thought on that, Miles, uh, and also, uh, you know, a couple of interesting things coming out of this as well. Uh, just in terms of where people are going, you know, with the YouTube thing is, you know, there's obviously a, a big drop in cable amongst the young people. We've known about that for a long time. Uh, more and more brands are also going on connected TV, which has really taken over, you know, the, the, uh, the segment of the viewing population that is not, or I shouldn't say not on YouTube, but in addition to YouTube. Uh, And so, you know, that's an area that people uh, can and should be exploring. But again, the prices on that, I feel like are really going to accelerate fast um, with these bigger brands coming in and spending a whole lot more money uh, on these platforms than they have in the past. So uh, then the last thing here I wanted to get into was uh, some news about one of our favorite topics. And that is, of course, voice technology and the app Clubhouse Uh, particularly uh, Miles is smiling because he knows how much I love talking about Clubhouse. Uh, Clubhouse is probably all of our viewers, our listeners know uh, is a a relatively new. It's it's just now a year old social media app that is audio only and is growing rapidly. It is uh, still in beta mode though, and only uh, on the iOS on the Apple platform and only invitation by invitation at this point. Uh, That is going to change and is going to change quickly. Uh, Probably next month at some point, the platform is going to open up to Android, uh, starting with just the U.S., but eventually, you know, the entire Android market. And so it's going to be really, really exciting. But uh, a couple of pieces of news are circulating around Clubhouse. Uh, One of them was actually sent to us by our favorite viewer, Jeff. uh, Last week, he sent me this article um, talking about Uh, Clubhouse basically turned down uh, uh, when they were in talks with Twitter for Twitter to buy Clubhouse and they turned down their offer. It was reportedly a $4 billion offer and then basically what Clubhouse has done is they parlayed that $4 billion offer from Twitter into a valuation and they're now going around and doing another seed round uh, in Silicon Valley getting more investors uh, at that $4 billion valuation. So it seems like at least in the near term that they are digging their heels in and they are going to uh, see this thing at, through and and not sell out to one of these bigger, uh, you know, corporate tech giants uh, in Silicon Valley. So uh, we we know that they did get an offer, uh, I believe, you know, maybe three or four months ago from Facebook. So now we have a report uh, directly that they got one directly from Twitter. Both of those have been refused. So Miles, you know, just going back from our discussion in the summertime, you know, can a a uh, a new platform emerge from from nothing and go from zero to sixty in a short amount of time and end up being a competitor in a space and so far it looks like that the answer to that question is yes it is it is possible so so that's exciting
1: with a good uh, idea anything is possible
0: a good idea good idea and great execution right because good ideas are shit as we've talked about on the show it's got to be executed. Uh, anybody can have a good idea, but yes, I agree with you. Uh, okay. And then the next thing about clubhouse, and I really am going to try to wrap this thing up relatively soon. <laughs> uh, and this was super interesting. I believe Anna put a post out about this on our social channels yesterday. So go and check that out. Yeah. Uh, but IHOP serves sizzling bacon sounds on clubhouse and new menu items. Rollout is the headline from yesterday. And so I, I actually just, uh, just saw this this morning And so I didn't get a chance. I didn't, I was on clubhouse yesterday. I didn't didn't go into the room and check this out, but basically what IHOP did was they set up a, a, well, they already have a club on clubhouse. They started a room yesterday, which is where people can drop in and hear what's going on audio wise. And the whole thing apparently all day long was just the sound of bacon. So how amazing is that? Of course uh, you know, everybody loves the sound of bacon and it was in, in tandem with the release of their new, I think it was called their farm-cut bacon that was five times thicker than the regular uh, IHOP bacon. So I love this idea, Miles, on multiple levels. Uh, you know, this you know g- goes back into what I, w- I mentioned at the beginning of the show about sound design and uh, and and something called sonic branding, which I think doesn't get uh, as much no- you know notice and praise and attention as it should. Uh, but, you know, just tying into our conversations over the past few weeks about voice and voice technology, this is a really, really important space that a whole lot of people need to be taking, uh, taking heed and, and tying into their overall branding strategy as they roll out their voice strategy, uh, you know, which hopefully they're working on right now and and if they haven't already. And so, you know, do some research about uh, Sonic Brand. Maybe we'll do this on a demo show. I don't have time to really get into it today. Uh, But, you know, it's just the way your brand sounds, you know, and how your brand sounds. And so this is super uh, a great idea for IHOP because what is IHOP, right? Well, it's pancakes, but it's breakfast. And so what is the most... Uh, you know, endearing, rememberable, emotional sound, probably of breakfast. I think most people would argue the sound of, of, of bacon, you know, and certainly that smell, but that sound, you know, and just the sizzle, you know, that's what we think about when we think about a great breakfast. And so uh, that's going to obviously be a part of their entire sonic branding is that bacon sound. And, And they want you to, when you hear that sizzle to think about IHOP, Right. And so it's really, really great. I, I love the way that they use Clubhouse uh, to roll that out. I think that there's, you know, there's, it's not, not the first brand uh, to do something like that, but this was the first time to use it in, in just that, you know, clear sonic branding of only the sound and, and creating that image uh, within the listener's mind. And I really, really thought that it was a brilliant execution. And I, I hope that uh, more people are going to take some chances and do some things like that. And, and I'll just tie this in quickly because uh, since you brought up, uh, when we were talking about design earlier, you brought up McDonald's and how they go into extreme detail. And you're absolutely right, Miles, about the color, the layout of each McDonald's, you know, the way the menu is, uh, the way things are presented to you. All of that is done from an extreme background of, of psychology. And, uh, and, and so is their sonic branding. And uh, and they've had the same Sonic branding for, I'm guessing probably 20 years now. You know, and that you know, the, uh, I'm loving it is their slogan, but the Sonic branding is da 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 da. Right, it's like that little uh, Sonic image that happens several times throughout a commercial, whether it's a radio ad or a television ad or a video. On uh, social media, and sometimes they sing it. Sometimes they'll have a guitar play it, you know, or a drummer, or whatever. It'll be different incarnations of it, and they've reinvented it many, many times over the, you know, the decades. But they've had that consistent sound imaging throughout their campaigns. Like I said, we could look this up to be accurate, but I want to say it, it's it's at least over long the last. I can year. remember. Yeah, a long time. Let's just leave it at that, you know. <laughs> but uh, and so that's, that's an idea of, and there's, there's countless examples of this, you know, if you look at, at corporate branding, but that's an idea of what I'm talking about about sonic branding. So I think that even small businesses need to think about that. How do I sound when somebody goes to my Facebook page or hears my podcast or hears me on, the, on, uh, on a radio commercial or, you know, just a video ad that I'm running on Facebook, anything that has an audio component to it? We want to make sure that our that our sound is consistent and has a message even on, on a sub you know psychological level that is consistent with the message that we want people to resonate with with our brand and our image and our company in general. And it's you know people think uh, about jingles a lot, and that's probably what their mind will go to on this. But it's much much more than jingles. Uh, it's it's really about the subtle things that we put inside somebody's brain and how that connects to our brand. And our imaging and our messaging as a whole. And I'm just, I, I said it was, that was gonna be the last thing. i got one more thing for you and then I really do have to go because I gotta <laughs> do something at twelve fifteen 15 here. But um, uh, there was a, this reminds me of a study that I came across about a year or two ago. Maybe we'll do, we should do an article about this. This is gonna remind me to do the article. But uh, uh, there was a study from Yale recently that came out. I said a year or two ago, I think it was a week or two ago that I read this study. And basically what it found, and, and this is, you know, this is a new study that is backing up decades and decades and decades of studies that also basically show this same thing. And that is that people trust sound, people remember sound, and people identify with sound more than anything else. And this study was about messaging, and it was the it, basically the difference between hearing audio only and hearing audio with with images. And what they found is that when you only listen to the audio and you take the images out, like if somebody's listening to the podcast right now, that they're gonna remember what I said far more than the people that watch this broadcast. They're going to uh, trust what I said more than the people that watched and listened to the broadcast. And so when we talk about branding, when we talk about messaging and advertising and marketing, that is really, really powerful you know, to think about is how can I leverage that audio only component knowing that people are going to remember what I say, trust what I say, and the third component was react to what I say and take action to what I say more than if, I, if they're watching it. And, and the, re- the reason, the rationale behind it was basically because of the simplicity of audio is that when I'm watching something, the brain is also sending all these other signals. How the person looks, what they're wearing, their facial expression, you know, all these different things that can be manipulated, misconstrued, et cetera, et cetera. And when I'm just listening to it, I'm really just absorbing the message on a whole other level that is going to connect with that person on a deeper uh, uh, connectivity. So I'm going to leave it at that, Miles, uh, because I do I do have something to do in 10 minutes. But if there's any questions down there uh, or something that I can help wrap up this point um we'll we'll get into that otherwise i'll leave it at that
1: yeah i think we're probably gonna have to come back to this in another show because those were some some real interesting points i'd love to get in on um but yeah we'll we'll just use that as a as a wrap-up for today's show if you have any other questions you're watching this later please email us at ask but yeah we'll, we'll come back to that whole sonic branding idea next week
0: yeah right. it's important stuff all right thanks miles
1: <laughs> thanks mike Okay, so that is it for us this week for Ask Wildman. Thank you for tuning in. Again, if you are watching this later, you're not watching live, you can still be part of the conversation by emailing us at wildmanweb.com or Wildman at wildmanweb.com. I have that address scrolling below me. As always, you can uh, message us on social media, follow us at wildmanweb, um, or go to our website at wildmanweb.com for more resources. We cited a bunch of articles in this show that we've we put up there, and we'll, we will be putting up more articles uh, pretty frequently. Also, watch out for that newsletter coming out here shortly if it hasn't come out already. Um, and if you haven't signed up for that, then please do. We put out a lot of really Really great content, some of the stuff that we talk about in this show, some of the things that we end up turning into articles on the site, and some things that stay exclusively within that newsletter. So go to wildmanweb.com and sign up for that newsletter for uh, some really great resources. Otherwise, we will see you next week. Uh, Next week at 11, come back here, tune in to our Facebook page, YouTube channel, or Twitch account, um and uh ask us your questions then. We will see you next week. Thanks everyone.
0: Thanks for listening to Ask Wildman. Send us a question for next week's show at AskWildman at WildmanWeb.com.